Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me today is Jake Hanrahan, the uh, the host of Popular Front and the producer of and creator of so many different conflict pieces. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for having me. I listen to this all the time. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So this all happened because we're all bored on lockdown, and you're like, someone bring me on their podcast and let me show Popular Front. I'm like, fuck, I can do that. So I'm glad to have you yeah. on to show Popular Front. It's an awesome show. Um, Thanks. And I think one of the things that really attracted me to your work is like uh, it's an anti-corporatist uh, media uh, project and uh, the, talking about things that are super interesting to me. And, you know, when I got out of the army, I wanted to get into writing and I wanted to do conflict journalist, uh, journalism. And I blame Sebastian Junger for that. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, there was like it didn't seem like there's any like normal dudes doing conflict work it was like some dude in a suit and tie in a badly fitting ballistic vest uh and there was like no way to get into their club uh but you kind of like did that and it was it, it blew my mind and i think that's one of the things that attracted me is like uh you you did early work with vice when vice was good uh <laughs> and yeah, yeah when it, it was really fun yeah, it was fucking great. Uh, they did like uh, they were going places that nobody was going, talking about stuff nobody else was talking about, and then they ended up becoming the like you either die a hero or live long enough to see, see yourself become the villain uh, career arc. Uh, so, how did you get into conflict journalism? Um, that's a good question, man. Like, I don't even really know how it happened. In a way, like, well, I guess I started. I was always interested in war and conflict. Um, and I started writing about various different conflicts, but obviously like from, from, from my house in the UK, just finding like little pieces, like interviewing people on Skype. And I would do these kind of underreported kind of stories. Like, for example, I wrote this story when I was like, Oh fuck man, like 21. Um, and I wrote this story about these skateboarders that taken over and abandoned, um mansion in tunisia during the revolution and basically turned these this like ill-gotten gains of this politician's house into a skate park you know what i mean and that was cool (laughs) and i was like okay i like stories a little bit different like that but still covering the war and basically i was writing and i was i was working at the time i remember like doing all these shit jobs because I got no qualifications or anything. I didn't do college or any of that. Left school with nothing because I'm a fucking idiot. So <laughs> I was working at like a boxing gym and I was doing laboring. I was doing like call center jobs, like all those really like tiring, just dead jobs. You know what I mean? Which I was like, I can't do this for me, man. Like if you can, fair enough. But for me, I couldn't do it. Like I was so lazy with laboring, man. Like I just like carry these bricks up there. I was like, oh, fuck this. I hated it. <laughs> so I always knew I wanted to do something. Do you know what I mean? And, and I basically was writing for Vice, like writing articles. And when Vice News happened, I saw the trailer and I was like, I've got to be a part of that. Do you know what I mean? So I was like hassling because I had a few contacts there because I'd write an articles. So I started hassling the who the guy that became, you know, the editor. And I remember one guy was like, we're not allowed to give his email out because everybody's hassling. I was like, fuck that, give me the email, give me the email. And I think Henry Langston gave it to me, you know, he's a great journalist, and he gave it to me. Uh, and I was just hassling. And then eventually the the editor, he's like, look, come in, give me some ideas, and like, fuck off, like, I'll just hear you out. And I went in, and like, like long story short, like, within a week, I remember he called me up and was like, you're going to work for us, for us then. And I was on the fucking building site, man, and I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I was like, yep, see you later, gone, gone. Left that very second as soon as I put the phone down. And like within like on the Monday, I went on to to Vice in London, and like, I'm not from London, London man. So it was like this big new fucking world. Like I'm from some shithole in the Midlands where it's just dead. So it was really cool to get cool to get there, and then and then like they were like they were like, do you want to make docs? Because I was only, I was only coming on to do like a you know a probationary kind of research job there for Vice News, but they liked me, so they're like, fuck it, fuck it, do you want to do docs? Uh, so I did a screen test, 
And yeah, and yeah, man, I fell into it like that. Eventually, I was like, all the stories I'm interested in are war and conflict. And Vice News was the place that gave me the chance. You know, I was 24 when I started there. And within, fuck, man, I started in the January. By October, I think I was on like the first front line that I'd ever been to. So it was crazy for me. You know what I mean? So I got there and yeah, and, and that was that. And I, I found that I really enjoyed the, the war reporting. I found it really, it feels really important to me. You know what I mean? I felt like this is... You know, when you're, you know, you're a young man and you find your place where you're like, yeah, this is what I'm meant to be doing or whatever, which sounds kind of romantic, but that's how I felt. So that's how I got into it, really, man, and then just carried on. That's that's great. I mean, I, I read uh, entirely too many history books these days for the show. And there's one thing that I and I, I use a lot of journalist uh, work as well. And there's one thing that history books are really are, are great to understand a conflict, but you never really understand certain things unless you read journalists who are there. I think like one of the best things I've ever read about Afghanistan mm-hmm. is like Sebastian Junger's book war, because nobody else really attempts to try to like understand soldiers for the most part. Um, yes. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, un- understanding politics is, and, and you know, geo- geopolitical machinations that end up in, in conflict is great and all, but like, I also, I kind of don't always care about them. Uh, cause once mm. you, maybe it's because I'm, I'm fucking biased. I, I was there and it's like, you know, that's not super important once we have people there. Um, and, and then you kind of want to know, uh, cause the people that are going to be writing about that shit probably aren't understanding the reality on the ground and, and the motivations of the players that are actually trying to kill one another. Um, and I think that's something, Absolutely, that, yeah. I think that's something like modern conflict, uh, journalists that you see and like that pop up in CNN or whatever, uh, really just don't fucking get it. Um, I, I, I can't remember. Like I, we talked about before we started recording, they, they spend so much time on uh, what Iraq, Afghanistan, maybe if you're lucky Yemen, uh, occasionally they'll look at they'll like glance at Sudan or South Sudan, but like they don't pay attention to like cold conflicts uh, or frozen conflicts that are absolutely ready to pop off at any given time or still kind of are kinetic, but everybody's like, eh, but it's not the cool thing to talk about. So like in 2008, when Russia invaded Georgia, everybody's like, oh my God, how did that happen? And it's people. Right. And it was like, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, that's why I wanted to do, so I, I wanted to do a series for Popular Front, like a, a you know, a documentary series because because we do documentaries as well. And before this corona nightmare, I was in talks with um, a TV channel here in the UK about maybe doing it. And it would have been called Zero Line. And then, like, the tag would have been um, the wars you won't see in the news. So that was my idea. Like, go out to all these underreported conflicts, go there on the ground, speak to the people and be like, hey, everybody, did you realize there's there's a conflict going on here in this country that you didn't even think was a war? And this is why it could affect you in Europe if you know, X, Y, and Z. Like we were talking about Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh, like for example, if that place kicks off, it brings everybody everybody into the region. You've got Turkey is, you know, with Azerbaijan. Then you've got Russia has bases in Armenia, but also sells weapons to Azerbaijan. And then you've got like the UK and the Europe and France and everybody is involved some way. Like there's a big demining effort from those countries. So in some way, like if that kicked off, a lot of countries are going to start being pulled into various aspects of the war. You know what I mean? And it's the same with a place like Libya. If you look at Libya, there's so many different countries have their hands in that pie now and just, you know, messing up everything. Actually, these underreported conflicts are very serious and you should know about them because, you know, it's like a web, isn't it? Like what people are connected to. So I think those those you know those stories are very worth telling, and it's also from a journalist point of view, it's a lot more fun to cover it. Honestly, like I enjoy it because you go there, there isn't a thousand journalists there. Like you can you know you you know that the guy you talk to or the woman you talk to is not going to be on every news channel next week as the same character. Like you know, I, I remember covering the Israel Palestine um, situation um in i think 2018 maybe 2017 and like it was all kicking off in alexa but like there were points where you couldn't move because there's so many reporters there do you know what i mean so I, I which is fine but i i like doing it you know something that's a little bit underreported and the problem i always came up against um until i started popular front while i was pitching this stuff to, to tv channels and whatever pitching these stories was you know very out of touch like, you know, a 50-year-old white guy, um, uh, you know, commissioning editors 
at these legacy media companies outright just go, nobody wants to know about that. Nobody wants to see that. And they, they all just say this and none of them have a fucking clue. It's just not true. <laughs> it's literally not true. Do you know what I mean? Look how successful Vice News was at the start. It was incredible. And it's like, what do you mean no one wants to see it? So that's why I was like, you know what? Fuck all this. I've started my own thing, started Popular Front. And now, ironically, the channels are coming to me now and being like, I've been like, hey, we should do a series. It's like, motherfucker, I remember pitching you this series five years ago, and now you want to do it. That's the way of business, I guess. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's weird that that's that's kind of happening because you're talking about all these things that are very they're they're still in the news if you look, but like nobody seems to like you posted something the other day of like a kneecapping in Northern Ireland, and uh, mm-hmm. people are like, oh wow, I can't believe it's still happening. I'm like, you can't. Where the fuck have you been? Like uh, right, it's like every year it gets worse, you know. We ran into that. We did um, a series on the uh, the Irish ri- the Easter Rising, and the day it was supposed to come out, yeah. uh, the the was it the the continuous uh, the continual IRA they're calling themselves now, or the real IRA? I'm not sure. Uh, oh God, there's the continuity IRA, the real IRA, uh, the new IRA. You know, so there's <laughs> there's that. Well, whichever of them the the they ended up connecting it to end up killing the journalist in the shooting and i was like well fuck and, I, and they were you know they were using uh, the, the rising as like their motivation I'm like well fuck i can't put this episode out now uh you know i ended up doing yeah, it anyway Lee, Lee McKee. yeah yeah uh and I, I ended up doing it anyway because yeah, Lee I, McKee. Uh, just because i could obviously i, I am not uh, a pro shooting journalist in the street or kneecapping people on street corners uh and people who are probably not right in the head i think it's uh Fair to say, but um, it's yeah. It, and the thing about them that was uh, that was the so-called new IRA, right? And that's like a, a mix of like Oglena Hare and this other like paramilitary group, uh, splinters of the real IRA, you know, um, and some other militant groups. They kind of formed this new group. Now they just call themselves the IRA, but you know the police are calling them the new IRA to distinguish them. And I actually made a doc for popular front, you know, about the bonfire and the, the Republican bonfire. And we spoke to some of the like political wing of this group. This is Siru. They're called. Now they claim not to be the political wing, but they are, everybody knows. Um, and you know, these, these are like people that they, they think that, you know, they still want brutal destruction and death and killing because of, you know, they want to get the Brits out of Ireland. And sure, Northern Ireland is still, in my opinion, you know, my family are Irish. It's occupied by British forces. But at the oh, same absolutely. time, we absolutely do not need, we do not need a violence to get rid of them. Nobody wants that there. People in Derry, you know, when, when Lyra McKee, God rest her soul, when she was killed, people were fucking furious. You know, no one was going, well, we need the boys to fight because kids are not being shot in the street anymore. The only people getting shot now is like low level drug dealers getting shot by other drug dealers who pretend to be Republicans or Horrible instances where, you know, Lyra gets shot in the head, which she was an incredible journalist, by the way. It's it's absolutely heartbreaking, but it's a real horrible situation. And then Americans, like, no offense, but because, you know, it's not your guy's fault, but there's a big, like, there's a big black hole in terms of reporting on Northern Ireland, even in Britain. In Britain, like in Britain, nobody knows about it. I just happened to because of you know my work, but um, like you know, a lot of Irish people were saying to me, "Oh, wow, the IRA are back," and I was like, "Mate, no, this this is not the provisional IRA. This is this is not that. You know what I mean?" And the people that live in their areas do not want violence. They're doing it against the will of the people. Whereas before, you know, you could argue one way or the other, but certainly. If you look at Bloody Sunday, people needed protecting after that. Do you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. So it's not that anymore. It's really not that. The only way to do it is, is political, democratic change. And obviously the unionists, you can't just kick them out. You know, they need to feel comfortable and know that nothing's going to happen to them and blah, blah. So, yeah, it's a real it's a real crazy situation, man. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend that I completely understand the incredibly complicated politics of Northern Ireland. Uh, but America does a fucking terrible job reporting on northern ireland uh to an incredible extent like i i heard about that uh the the shooting of Lyra mckee because i i listen and read bbc and so they actually reported Mm. it uh and for all of bbc's many faults their conflict reporting is still pretty good and um yes like americans american outlets like didn't touch it except like oh a journalist was killed in northern ireland like you're leaving a lot out yeah, yeah, a hell of a lot. Yeah, exactly. And the kneecappings is is really brutal. Like there is so there's a really good um, documentary. It's called 
a mother takes her son to be shot. I think that's how it is. It's something like that. And basically it's like, you know, what my friend, you know, a lad that I work with a lot with popular front, Connell Kearney, he lives in Belfast. And he's telling me that like, you know, people, if you fuck around with the wrong group, you'll get a letter come through your door saying, if you don't come to the park at 6 p.m., we'll come into your house and shoot you. So you better come at this time to get shot. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to come back. So the kids are like genuinely, I'm talking like 17, 18 year olds, some of them, even younger at points. So Holy they're going shit. themselves to the park and being like, okay, pull up my trouser, boom, shot in the leg. And it's fucking nuts, man. That's insane. I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, and it's happens it's, all the time. Yeah. That seems to be like the natural progression of things of like when rebel groups kind of splinter and fail as they just kind of turn into organized crime. You know, uh, like you you see it in parts of Africa, you saw it in parts of the Middle East, and it's like, do you think? I mean, do you think that the people wrapping themselves in the tapestry of IRA are actual Republicans, or they're just drug dealers looking for like an aesthetic? No, they they are Republicans on on a degree, like of definitely are Republicans, but they're also a lot of them are really involved in crime. And they use, you know, the, oh, well, we're, we're the real IRA and they use that, you know, and it's like, well, actually, you know, you're also dealing drugs. And a lot of these kneecappings, you know, the IRAs, the, well, the splinters groups, the IRA, the so-called IRA, they, they say, oh, oh, well, we're, we're, you know, we're shooting drug dealers in the legs because we don't want heroin in our community. Well, you know, I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying vigilantism is good, but certainly in my area, I've seen heroin you know, destroy the community. And, you know, if a couple of drug dealers got shot in their knees around my house, I don't think I would call the cops, put it that way. But that's not really what's happening. So they'll say, oh, yeah, well, we're killing these low-level drug dealers, blah, blah, blah. We're stopping the heroin coming in. A lot of them are not. They're, they're, they're shooting them for punish, punishing them for, like, dealing on their patch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or they're punishing them because they didn't pay tax or they, or they didn't request to sell the drugs there. It's funny how, like, the big-level drug dealers, who everybody knows who they are, they never get killed. It's always like 17, 18 year old lads getting knocked. You know what I mean? It's always them getting the knees shot out. So, you know, it's it, it really, I don't, I don't personally take the word of it. There, there was one group, uh, it was called RAD, Republican Action Against Drugs. And I don't know, but from a few people I know around Belfast, like in those circles, I heard that when they were active, they were genuine. They were like, we are shooting any drug dealer and we are not dealing drugs. But other than that, I've heard that, you know, a hell of a lot of them do deal drugs. And I certainly do believe it. You know what I mean? It seems it's sad, like, really. But yeah, it, it seems like a protection racket with extra steps. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And with the guise of republicanism and just to feel good, we're doing it for the community. Well, if you look <laughs> at the, the heroin rates and the amount of people that die from heroin in Belfast and Derry and them places still don't look like they're doing anything, actually. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. And, you know, I grew up in uh, Detroit, Michigan. So, like, I kind of understand where, like, you live somewhere where a police aren't going to help you. Uh, and, you know, some people legitimately legitimately think vigilantism is the way to go. And I probably wouldn't have called the cops either if somebody kneecapped our local asshole. But, like, it's not going right. to accomplish anything. Well, it gets out of hand as well. Because, you know what I mean? Before you know it, lads are like, oh, yeah, he, he's selling heroin to, like, teenage kids. Okay, well, we'll, you know, he's got shot, whatever. But then the next thing you know, people start taking things off of other people and being like, well... He shouldn't have this. You know what I mean? It very quickly quickly becomes a way for people to actually control the community rather than protect the community. Yeah, I mean, that you're it's terrorism. I mean, by definition, you're keeping everybody in line through just right, the right, barrel yeah. of a gun. It's like, you know, if, if I wanted to yeah, do that, yeah. I, you know, it's it's you could move to fucking Raqqa a couple of years ago. Uh, so you do a lot of work. <laughs> you've done a lot of work in Syria and you've done a lot of work in the Middle East in general. Um, and right now I'm binging women's war and it's fucking man magnificent. And if nobody's listened to it yet, it's way better than my show. Go listen to it. Uh, oh, I bet mine too. He's done a good job, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's, I think you did, or you guys did one of the best pieces, I think on the Rojavan revolution, simply because you were, you weren't, you didn't seem to be like entranced by it, which I mean, you're a journalist. You probably shouldn't be, but like a lot of people, maybe it's, it's not necessarily journalists, but people who like to write big think pieces or whatever are just lost in the details of like, well, they're doing all these things and it's so great. But like you guys went there and it's very realistic. Uh, uh, like the, the things that they're doing are very realistic and people 
who maybe agree with some of their political leanings are like, I can't believe they did X, Y, and Z. And they're, they're, they seem to be like purity testing people who are trying to fight for Absolutely. their lives. And Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of fucking absurd to me. Uh, and you played a clip in the show where it's, someone's like, yeah, they have no cops and they have no prisons. Like, they fucking absolutely do. Uh, of course they do. Yeah. How the, what the fuck would they do without them? Yeah. No, it's true, man. But it's funny you say that because uh, most people within, like, the very, you know, brush up there are stiff kind of analyst community always, you know, slag me off. Jake's pro white PG. And I've always been, like, openly, like, yes, I am. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fuck, I've donated yes, money to uh, I am, like. You know what I mean? I'm not like fucking, I'm not in bed with them, but it's like, well, well, you know what I mean? Is I don't believe in this idea of, you know, like uh, completely objective journalism. Like I've always said, complete objectivity is psychopathy. You cannot fucking go to war and see the hell of war and then just still be like completely objective. I'm sorry. It just yeah. doesn't work like Especially that. Especially if somebody's fucking you shooting are, at like, you. Like, right, man. <laughs> I've I've interviewed a 13-year-old girl one time who had a fucking bullet lodged in her spine and shrapnel in her skull and she couldn't leave the fucking town because the military had shut all the roads and were basically arresting anybody that came on the road to go to the hospital. Like, you can't go through that and see that and then go, well, objectively, I'm blah, blah. Like, you know what I mean? And I believe it makes for better reporting if you actually are like, hey, what they're doing is actually okay. Okay, it's helping. Now, I'm not saying make propaganda, but I am saying that, like, give credit where it's due, innit? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's hard I, to live through that and be like, uh, but also uh, the people with, that they're shelling are bad. It's like, come on, man, they're shelling kids. Like, just fucking say it. Right. And what are you going to do? I've always said this. If, if the complete objectivity thing was real, then you would start going, well, ISIS has been doing this, but maybe. <laughs> no, you don't say that. You don't because they're cutting off fucking kids' heads. You don't say, well, maybe. You know what I mean? So it, anyway, but, but so, so, you know, I've always been smoking. like. That's like, the, yeah. that's like <laughs> yeah, you don't have to like, hand it to fascists because they made the trains run on time. <laughs> like, come on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe. No, 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 no. Like, no, I'm sorry. You don't do that. So I've always, you know, I've always I, I def- filmed with PKK and I filmed with the PKK youth and I filmed with YPG. And, and you know, whilst I'm, I've had many criticisms and have said them out loud, even in front of them, which despite what people would tell you, they have a very, very, you know, deep ingrained system of you can you know, we can talk and disagree, which I think is excellent. I've, I've been raised like that. You yeah. don't you don't run away from a problem. You, you talk it out. Right. Right, and you and and also like you don't take shit too seriously. You can disagree and argue with someone, and then the next minute it's fine. That's the way it should be. So I've even openly said to them like, no, I don't agree with this or this or this. And and people in Rajava will also disagree with certain things, but they'll still kind of say, well, we're glad they're here. So I've always come at it from that point of view. Do you know what I mean? So so we did the women's war. Like you know, it's it's mainly Robert's project. He kind of hit me up and was like, you've got good contact contacts out there, and I want to go. I've never been. So I said, yeah, man. Like we'll go together. So he paid for my flight, and you know, I helped him with the um, I helped him with the with the kind of podcast, uh, the producing of it on the ground, and just just with like historical context and some stuff like that. And you know, oh, I you know, I'd point out certain things to him. He'd be like, oh, it's funny that she's from wherever. And I said, bro. She's from the mountains, means meaning she's from she's from the PKK. Even though she's saying she ain't, she is. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying so <laughs> stuff like that. Just just because I was familiar with it from like years of covering it. But yeah, he smashed it, man. He did, and he did, he did a great job with it. And I think you know it, it, we did some stuff that I have not seen a lot of people do in that much detail. For example, like we went and met the very small com- committees in the autonomous um, you know towns. So we went so we went and met the mamas, like the the old women that are running this kind of democratically elected. You know, it's a direct democracy in you know institution of of a council where the the, the village votes for the women that run it, and then the women that run it all take an opinion and blah blah. So we. We saw that from the ground level and it's like, you know, a lot of people will tell you, no, it's not real. It's all very authoritarian. It's strict Marxism. And, you know, like I said to you before, they, they, they literally dropped, they, they even tell you, no, 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 we're not communists. We're not, we're not Marxists. We're, to be honest, it's like left libertarianism, you know, democratic confederalism is their idea. It's more anarchist, like in autonomous region, but it's not anarchist because, you know, there's a strict hierarchy because, you know, you know, they're at war. Um, You need that. And there's prisons. Obviously, there's there's prisons because what are you going to do with ISIS? And if someone kills someone, you've not got the time in the war zone to not put them in jail. You know what I mean? I mean, so I think what we did was was we kind of were honest with the good things they've done 
and let people speak honestly. And, you know, and certainly a lot of, a lot of people criticize them, say, yeah, we, you know, people within the, the PYD, the YAPG will say, yeah, we, you know, we say we want to do this, but we're struggling with this bit. So they were quite honest. But then we, then we also dispelled a lot of the kind of, again, again, no offense, but well, no, it's the same in Europe, actually. But like, I was gonna say American leftist, leftist, but it's the same in Europe. There's like a lot of leftist myths of what it is and isn't, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. it was very good to kind of, do that and I, I think robert's doing a great job with it you know what i mean like it's it's really cool and, and yeah I, I don't know it was, it was a very fun project to be a part of, of. i think uh, one of the things that that i saw you do uh personally and i don't think i saw anybody else do i know robert commented on it uh was like because uh, like like y'all i'm pretty like wary of weird personality cults i don't like idols that's weird and gross to me uh, it, to me, yes, it's, like, it's like a slippery slope to authoritarianism. It's like, yeah, but you know, the great leader knows best. Like, ooh, yeah, no. Um, and that Absolutely. is, yeah. you were going through checkpoints, and on their uniforms, they're wearing um, uh, patches of Abdullah Asalan, and it was, uh, it said like, uh, I forget exactly what the motto was, but it was like very personality cult, like adjacent. Yeah, no, it was. Um uh was it Gian Sirok Nabe? No no life without our leader is what it says on the yeah. patch, which is like very like e. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That makes me pull on my collar a bit, like oof, okay. Uh I mean I still like like you said, like someone someone accused because I mean because of my last name, I get a lot of angry Turks that talk to me. Um and they're like, so you support the YPG? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, well, how dare you? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's I was interested in the project. And like you said, there's a lot of myths around it. Um, and one of them was like, well, they made a deal with Assad or they still have, you know, markets operating freely. Like, dude, they're in the middle of a fucking war. Like, yeah, <laughs> give them yeah, some yeah. breathing. Like, how did like. Some someone typing from like I don't know uh, uh, some college campus that their parents are paying for like how dare these people in the desert do this? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's why the very hardline communists, you know, the tankies, the kind of authoritarian uh, commun communists, you know, one one might call them red fascists, which is a term like they they hate. Yeah. But anyway, like the tankies really hate the YPG because of that. And they teamed up with the Americans and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's really funny to me because that is really Western exceptionalism to the to the nth degree. It's basically <laughs> sadly saying, wah, 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 why isn't your revolution in Syria going exactly as I want it to be? You know what I mean? It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. You know, and I and I've had to catch myself. You know, I don't, I don't agree with this kind of hero worship of Ojalan. Although I will say in Rajava, Rajava, he's much more of a figurehead than an actual leader obviously because he's in jail like muslim right. um kobani now more of a you know looked at as a leader as a leader at the minute but but like again you sometimes have to catch yourself and think well what the fuck has it got to do with me with me oh i don't like it oh sorry western man you know what i mean like right. you, you know these people have been fucking massacred and shit you know so sometimes you do have to just be like hey, oh well and yeah no well well, well they 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 corrupt they co-opt um, collaborate with the Americans. Well, thank fuck they did. Yeah. Because, because you know what I mean? What should they have said? Sorry, America, your ideology isn't the same as ours. So we're just going to die and perish in Kobani. Well, no, what they did was they liberated the fucking Northeast and started giving women their rights back. And that, I will say, out of all the faults that Rajava has, the women's aspect is very, very real. Do you know what I mean? And that is, is, and we, I'm talking like, we went to Ain Isa where all the women in the YPG uh, training camp, almost all of them, all of them were like Arab women. It wasn't just Kurdish women. And, you know, there's always this talk of the Kurd, Kurds have oppressed the Arabs and blah, blah. We interviewed, you know, I made a documentary in Raqqa um, with an SDF force um, while, whilst I was there with Robert. And they were the security force doing the checkpoints around the town. Every one of them was an Arab from Raqqa. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we were happy to work with the Kurds. They allowed us to do this. And I'm talking like these guys were living in Raqqa under ISIS. And then when the YAPG came, they were like, yo, we want out. <laughs> like, we're not in this. <laughs> Can we join you? And we'll help. And, you know, prove themselves to be serious. So there's certainly some problems. But i tell you what it is, I, I think, yeah, Joe. Like, a lot of it is with the way people talk, right? So in the Middle East, someone might say something that you would think oh that's bad that's like a derogatory comment oh that effing arab guy blah blah or that effing kurdish guy whatever but when they're together they're the best of friends now i'm not saying it's good or it's right but i'm saying the context is quite important it's a very tough area with very sick dark humor which personally i think is amazing i love it out yeah. there 
And sometimes I think you've got to look at the wider picture rather than the thing that one person says on a checkpoint now and then. You know what I mean? So I do think I understand when some people come back from there from there and like, well, this guy said that. And I'm like, yeah, I heard 100 people say that. But then but then I also saw them with their best friend who is also what they said they're against or whatever. And they're fighting together. And I don't know, man. I, I guess what it is, is it's very nuanced, right? Like war is, a, you know, yourself like war is a very it's just not black and white, is it? And and sometimes I think we kind of push our own Western ideals on it, especially like in the leftist world. Like I've seen that again, it's the Marxist types that, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, like they allow Marxists to go and fight over there. They have their own fucking battalion. Yeah. So it's not like they kick them out or anything. Their, their project is not a Marxist one. It is not a communist one. It's communism. You know, it's based off of Bookchin, Bookchin's ideas. So some people don't like that, but but then I say like say like who cares? It's nothing to do with you. So what if you don't like it? You know what I mean? These people right. are living and dying out there out there for free. So tough luck, you know, tough shit. I think that's just a lot of um, uh, I think it's a lot of Western, like you said, Western exceptionalism. It's a lot of Western projection. Like how dare they base their uh, like how, like people who are have no skin in the game? You know, like like complaining like this is some kind of internationalist revolution. <laughs> like yes they have people from they have foreigners fighting for them and they're more than willing to like have them over if you follow the rules and everything it's like but because mm. but because they allow you to come over from like fucking oklahoma or whatever like don't try to like co-op the revolution man like they they know what they're doing at this point absolutely which is why i got in a bit of hot water i mean i don't care but like people having a go at me you know when they did tequila so it was like trans queer something something anarchist battalion whatever and it was only like five of them and they did like this trans queer um like unit but when they were fighting around some of the most conservative areas near their and raqqa and i just said like look this isn't a real unit we all know it's not anyone that is involved with you know the havals as they call them knows that this is just a few people from the uh uh international freedom battalion like messing about but I was just kind of being like, look, this isn't helpful right now because the YPG are trying to build, um, you know, they're trying to build bridges with very, very conservative tribal groups, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. it's unfortunate that they want to a very conservative and don't like gay people, don't like trans people. Like, you know, that's to me is against what I believe in. That's not right. You You accept everybody. That's fine. Trans, gay, whatever. Who cares? What's it to you? But unfortunately, in Syria, obviously, there are people that are not like that. So I was saying, look, it's not a good idea to have done that. You could actually put people at risk because some of these tribal guys that are trying to win over might see that and go, wow, fuck this. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it, it just wasn't helpful. Uh, and my point was you're then, like you said, you're kind of co-opting then a bit. You are actually projecting a lot, a lot of your own, what you want to happen out into that now there's nothing wrong like they should obviously be able to say this is us we're gay we're trans whatever absolutely should be able to do it but there's a time and a place with everything and that doesn't just mean by radical politics that just means everything right at war there's a time and a place and sometimes you have to fucking shut up do you know what i mean so yeah. i don't know there's a lot of that out there like i'm friends with quite a lot of volunteers like that went out there and i'm not one of these journalists that hates them all a lot of people for no real reason just hate them if they're a you know if they're a volunteer um you know my friend jack holmes he died out there it was really sad and and some other people and it's like a lot of them did a lot of good shit you know and they went there and who's to st who's to stop them or why did some westerner fucking go there why not fuck off like do you know what i mean what's it to you like there's a lot of especially analysts analysts are always crying about stuff like that but again you're right in that there was a lot of like unspoken kerfuffle with groups trying to co-opt shit man i mean there are tankies out there there's some german tankies i know that are still staying in rajava that a lot of volunteers i'm friends with a lot of anarchist ones will just tell me like these guys are the biggest fucking pricks ever like they're putting <laughs> stalin up on the walls and like even ypg are like hey can you can you not <laughs> you know what i mean we don't we're not about that and then they're just kind of being like no we will and that's like you can't go to someone else's country and do that like it's fucking ridiculous yeah it's you know, it, I, there's a there's a Rojava subreddit that I follow because I was I was trying to get as much information on them as I could, and a lot of people there are, are former volunteers and stuff, and uh, mm. they 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 point out pretty pretty openly like yeah, I mean Rojava itself, like the the machinations of power and the committees and everything are totally supportive of of trans people and gay people and everything else, but you have to understand the the area that they're they're li literally living in probably does not. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and like everyone, everyone around them hates them. Yeah. And, and that's something that it, it's kind of unique um, that Westerners 
can can like I don't know trick themselves into believing that yeah it, it's it's an operating of autonomous region but like like look at where they're living in man they're, they're one of the things I was like truly shocked by is like you know even with this revolution and everything the Middle East is steeped in history um and like going back to the Armenian genocide the Kurds helped and like that's a deep hatred that survived for a very long time. But uh, like then there's Armenians in the SDF like, no, we're cool now. Like, holy shit, this, this is real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we went actually we drove through and I think we stayed the night in um, uh, an Assyri- uh, Assyrian area. Yeah, like Syriac area. And there's a load of Armenians there and Armenian church and stuff like that. And, you know, they're in fact, like, I think I think our fix was like half Armenian and stuff. And certainly one of my friends actually for Batman, he's half Armenian. And it's like. You know, I think the PKK and the YPG and blah, blah, you know, it's all has a very long history of like fighting and whatever. But one thing people don't seem to a lot of people, especially if they haven't been there, they don't really get now now that the YPG is something else. It is sure. Absolutely. It's true that the PKK were absolutely the backbone of it to some degree at the start. And that, you know, it's it's deeply, uh, you know, influenced by the PKK and PKK command, commanders are YPG commanders, sure. But I also, but there's this real thing that like conservative analysts do where they say, oh, it's the YPG slash PKK. Now, that's absolutely outrageous to say, because are you telling me that like, you know, a Syriac kid who's grown up his whole life in northeast Syria under, under Assad, then sees ISIS come, then sees Kurdish, you know, his Kurdish neighbors fighting, then the Kurdish neighbors come to him and say, hey, you know, there's a load of you guys. Why don't you start your own battalion? We'll help. And then they start fighting and they don't go to the mountains. They never get ideological training from the PKK. How are they then also the PKK? <laughs> it makes no sense. How are the, the Arabs in Raqqa that I, that I went around the fucking place with, who were the security of the place, who have never been to Turkey, never been to Kandil, like barely even recognize Ojalan. How are they also the PKK simply because they're also in the YPG? It's really a lot of people don't want to admit because there's a lot of policy type people, you know, and a, and a lot of kind of, you know, Kyle Orton bedbugs and, you know, Charles Lister bedbugs and them kind of types that like, you know, they will take a certain side and that's that. And sure, I'm sure like, you know, you could say, well, I've done the same or this report has done the same. Sure, whatever. Just be honest, you know, and like, it, it, you know, it was a fucking mess, man. And I, I definitely think that I, I, I'm a, I've done it myself, you know, like we'll Westerners are very quick to kind of embed ourselves within it. And uh, actually, we should probably, you know, look a little bit closer, closer to the people out there fighting, fighting it rather than, you know, constantly be doing that. I think and I'm guilty of this as well, of projecting my opinion on historical fact and and pieces and stuff like that is like deep down inside. We in the West are like inherently think that we have a superior opinion of things. It's like, dude, just shut the fuck up sometimes and let them tell their own story. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And like, I have to tell myself sometimes, like, I've watched, watched some of my, you know, some of my docs back or I'll be editing an interview and I'm like, you got to shut the fuck up next time about that. You know, I think as reporters and media people, like, it's really good just to be honest with yourself and be like, yeah, yeah I'm flawed. I've got me. I fuck up. You know, like I've said this, I sh- I'm probably a bit too close to that. I think when you're open about it, that's, you know, I mean, it's not good, but it's, you know, it's human. You know what I'm saying? And war is a very shaping experience. And yeah, you're right, man. Sometimes we, as we just got to shut the fuck up. Like, and also another thing is where like you will see, I don't know. There's, there's something that there's a very like almost like the woke kind of sphere, which I you know whilst I'm very much involved in what you what some might call like leftist politics, I'm very much anti woke stuff um, because I find it a distraction. And I've noticed that a lot of that sect of the left will try and project ideas, and when they're out there, maybe they won't. It's almost like they won't accept people telling them certain things. You know what I mean? And it's like, man. Even if you don't like what you're hearing, you actually still have to take that. You can't just forget that bit. You have to go, yeah, that's mental. Do you know what I mean? That is oh, wrong, man. or that's or not yeah. wrong, but whatever. You know what I mean? It's like that's not what I thought it was. So it goes both ways. Do you know what I mean? You do have to listen to the people there, um, whilst also shutting the fuck up. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Is don't close the ears off. You know what I mean? I find myself um, kind of smashing heads against some of those same people. Um, Mostly because, you know, I'm definitely part of American leftist politics, which is a fucking trash heap most of the time. And um, 
Yeah, I find like it's especially when it comes to things like Assad or North Korea or like the dead Soviet Union, like people really like to uh, 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 like, well, they stood against the United States, so they must be good. Right. Like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we did our 100th anniversary episode. And one of the, the questions was about Jane Fonda and the Vietnam War. And yeah. I was like, you know, it, it's it's very good to be anti-war. Uh, like, I'm anti-war 99% of the time, um, as I think every reasonable person should be. Uh, but being anti-war doesn't mean that you should champion dictatorships. <laughs> well, it's an oxymoron. Yeah. Isn't it? It, like, you know, you get people saying, oh, I'm, I'm anti-war. And then they're like, bro, North Korea. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, that's like a complete tyrannical dictatorship. The problem is, though, they always have an answer, right? No, no, it's Western this, it's Western that. It's actually massively racist because you're saying that, like, you know, they'll often say that um, they'll make what they from what they're saying. You can basically deduce that they're saying that the native people of that area haven't got their own agency. Yeah. So anything that doesn't go the way of the far left tanky in a uh, well, to be honest, I don't even consider tankies left. Like they're just scum. But like anytime <laughs> the tanky, the tanky's idea doesn't go the way they want it, suddenly the uh, the people from that country who are not doing what they want are then co-opted by the U.S. So you're basically saying that unless you think the way I think, you have no agency that's like so fucking racist you know what i mean because most of these tankies are white westerners so it's it's so funny when you see them and it's like i saw someone describing on twitter the other day and it was so accurate they said like if you look at like tumblr fandoms um and like just replace like i don't know justin bieber with like a soviet tyrant then you'll get a bit more of a of a idea of where these tankies are coming from and it, you know and it's kind of a, a funny way to say it but i think they're right a lot of them are not really they're taking their ideology from the internet it's become a fan club for them and it's funny how none of them like move to fucking like north korea i remember there's a there's a big trans rights activist who's a hardcore north korea supporter on uh, twitter and it's like north korea <laughs> something like three or four times they were like they were like the only country that that were like always adamantly voting against kind of trans representation and and rights and stuff like that it's there in fucking black and white you can look it up so it's a very weird one <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's very sad actually i think because you get you know i get a lot of flack from popular front because obviously like a lot of leftists listen but i tell them i'm not a leftist activist i'm a journalist you, you know what i mean like i am a journalist that's that i the only stance we have politically is anti-authoritarianism that's that's the real strong one like i don't give a fuck if you're left or right if you're an authoritarian fuck you do you know what i mean that's it yeah absolutely. so you get a lot of leftists will say i you know especially when i did the hong kong coverage how dare you why are you championing the hong kong protesters why are you representing them in your documentary they want a neoliberal blood so so what i don't want what they want but they're fighting for their freedom and they're getting stamped on by a fucking you know tyrant beijing government why does it matter to you that oh well their ideology isn't what mine is so therefore they're bad and i'm going to support the fucking cops like it's so <laughs> fucking embarrassing you know and I, and I got to the point i don't even reply you know now i'm just like you're just gone you're too far gone but but it is really stupid because it's like when you're trying to have a critical thought they'll just everyone just puts you in a camp or well, you're in that camp now you know, and I have a lot of Bellingcat people on, you know, I, I don't agree with everything Bellingcat has done, but I think their work is excellent and I respect them and I trust their work because you can't really not trust them because they fucking lay it out in front of you. Yeah. So I have a lot of Bellingcat. And then people message me, why are you having Soros-sponsored Bellingcat people on? And it's like, go outside, get off the internet, fuck <laughs> off. You know what I mean? It's so fucking tiring. Yeah. Man, but it, unfortunately, we have incredible. to do this now. I'm sure you get it. Yeah, it's it's fucking incredible, and you know, I, I've never actually heard, heard someone put it that way. Where it, it truly is like the uh, it's like cultural imperialism turned racism, where it's like, well, if you know, um, the the great march forward or the the arduous march of North Korea was clearly the work of the CIA. Like, no, the they fucking starved people, or the whole Adomar yeah. uh, that was just fake. Uh, the Kulaks deserved it. Like, get the fuck. I, I there's no point of talking. It's that's like. To me, talking to those people, like you said, it is totally sad and it's a weird fandom. I think they're trying to like fill some weird gap in their life, but like it's as makes as much sense as intellectually debating fascists um, because there's they're so far removed from reality that sure. I mean, 
uh, I went to school for history. It doesn't mean I'm a fucking historian, but like also I understand the concepts of history and how they unfold. Uh, and you, you pointing out that, you know, maybe North Korea isn't the most welcoming place for a trans person. No, now, now you're a transphobe, you motherfucker. Like, come on. Typical white liberal transphobe. That's what you are. <laughs> Like, nah, man. I'm just like I like trans people. I don't want them to get fucking killed in North Korea. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to save you from yourself. Uh, yeah, you know, like yeah, exactly. I'm sure North Korea is very welcoming to fucking Adam Warmbier until it wasn't. But I'm sure he deserved it because he pissed off the fucking the cops. Which it's amazing that like you know the same people who will try out like the I mean I'm not a huge fan of the cops, but like people who are like yeah all American cops are bastards, but the ones in fucking Vietnam are the shit. Like okay. <laughs> All right, buddy. Yeah, exactly. All, all cops are bastards unless they're representing the, you know, quasi red state tyrant that I like. You know, that's what <laughs> yeah. it is. So, you know, you had like these hardcore um, um, tankies, you know, doing actually painting paint pictures. This is hilarious. My friend sent me the other day. So in Hong Kong, there's like uh, from a, you know, from a throwback of like British colonialism, some of the British cops just stayed there and now they work for the, the Chinese police there, the CCP police basically oh, in Hong shit. Kong. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, they're proper little cunts. They're like really, they're very nasty and they, they really enjoy it. You can tell. So there's one guy specifically, David Jordan, who is, you know, I saw him with my own fucking eyes. He is a real nasty piece of work. Um, and he's leading, he's like one of the leaders. So he's got all these, so you got this scene, right, where there's like a white cop who's stayed over from the colonial past of Britain and is leading this group of Hong Kongers. But he's a white guy working out how to best crush other Hong Kongers who are protesting against the CCP. And then you've got fucking white com- hardline communists. And don't get me wrong, I'm nothing against communists, but like, you know, like tanky communists. And then like they drew a picture of um, this guy, David uh, Jordan, and... And we're like, he's the champion of the people. It's like, <laughs> how are you not seeing this? This is so wrong, you know. But have you ever been I so much know. of a tanky you supported imperialism? Cool. Right, right. It's gone so you know, you're past the Rubicon at this point, so what are you gonna do? I really but, I mean I don't have answers, you know. I mean I, I'm interested in this, that and the other, but like I said, I'm not an activist, man. Like my everyone's always trying to pin down what's your political views. And I'm like, bro, like leave me the fuck alone. Like I, I just wanna be left alone by everybody. And I want everybody to have rights and be free. That's it, you know. And I'm not a huge fan of the government uh, or cops, <laughs> but yeah. but I don't I don't put myself under any stake. You know what I mean? And because you're not basically, it's basically the other way as well. Like if you don't completely line up with the liberal side of things, you know, you get laughed at by the kind of elitist liberal sneering um, kind of journalist circle, which is most of journalism actually, unfortunately. But then if you don't completely align yourself with a radical ideology, the kind of the radical people are like, well, what are you, a fucking liberal? It's like, who gives a fuck what I am? Just read or watch what we're doing, you know? So it never used to be like this, man. It's only in the last three years that it's all become this polarized with the politics stuff. And it's it's, it's surprisingly, I, I naively thought, well, this is not going to be a problem for my industry. I'm a, I do war reporting. I cover conflict. That's not really a thing. Well, obviously, that was so naive of me. I didn't think about it. But it's really dominated, you know? You've got, like dickheads like um the gray zone you know max blumenthal and all those people and then on the other side you'll have people that are, are pretending that jabba al-nusra and hayat tahrir al-sham are just calm chill rebels that have never done anything <laughs> wrong so, you know what i mean it's like you have a real is a real weird one man but i i, I do tr- tr- i don't i try and stay out of it i say a lot of shit online but like she can't really take a lot of that seriously sometimes it's good to rile people up for you know like i'll enter a debate to be like hey rile up then listen to popular front <laughs> you know what i mean like it's a piece of shit way of doing it but whatever but unfortunately you know it, it is something that we all have to kind of look at i think now now you can't be um curious or lean in as in a specific way like you have to subscribe you have to subscribe your political beliefs to like some existing head of state or uh, some flag that uh, it, it maybe still exists or has been long since deposed or you have to have some kind of political nationalist daddy. It's fucking weird, man. Like it is. <laughs> I really can't wish take people in have some Yeah. Uh, I think you can't go. Well, you know, like there's a lot of things about like, you know, insurrectionary anarchism. I read a lot of radical politics literature just because it interests 
trust me. And there's bits I'll read and go, oh, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea there. And then other bits I go, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's the same when I was reading, you know, I was doing a lot of work about Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. And, you know, I was one of the, I was saying, yeah, like a lot of this makes sense. I'd be like, you fucking what? I was like, look, I'm, I'm not going to lie that this bit doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, the bombing was fucking mental. <laughs> Do you know course. what I mean? And that was terrible. But of course, some of what he said was very true and makes a lot of sense. I don't get why now you have to join a team. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to join a team completely. Why can't you just go this, that and the other? Like, I tell you what I will say, like working with Robert Evans actually was cool because, you know, me and him disagree on a lot of things. It's not like, obviously, I'm never going to be like, yeah, let's be friends with a Nazi. Like, fuck that. That's, that's too much of a disagreement. <laughs> but, you know, me, me and him disagree on a lot. But it was just like, whatever, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? And it's quite nice to have that. And I think like... We need to go back to a bit of that. You know, you should be allowed to go on the podcast of someone that you don't agree with and have a debate without being cancelled and then dubbed a part of that group. You know what I mean? I mean, that's critical thinking. It's important. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know what it is, man. It, to be honest, I do think all that's going. Like, I think the best way of combating that is just ignoring it. You know, like, Pete, someone said to me the other day, like, you've been cancelled like a hundred times on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, because I just, I don't care. Like, it doesn't mean anything. You shouldn't have said that. Oh, well, like, probably shouldn't have. Oh, I'm offended. Oh, well, like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And ironically, I always say this, it's always the right-wingers that are the worst for it, actually. The ones that are calling people snowflake, the second you deviate um, <laughs> from what they want you to say, they lose the fucking plot. These free speech advocates, they want to shut everything down the second you go against them. So, you know what I mean? It's kind of funny. I think that's one of the things that I, I learned uh, from Robert. Actually, it was a lot of the uh, the free like people who consider themselves free speech advocates. Obviously, like obviously, I'm for free speech. If it wasn't for free speech, both of us would be in of some course. kind of camp. Uh, but wait, wait, I've been in jail in fucking Turkey, man. Like, <laughs> trust me, I love free speech. <laughs> yeah, you have legitimately lived my worst nightmare uh, as being in a Turkish yeah. prison. Uh, <laughs> But like, you know, the people who are like, you know, I'm going to march onto campus and demand free speech. They're just doing it as an outlet for authoritarian politics in one way or another. And they just want to be heard. Uh, and they, and then as soon as you give them an inch, they're going to fucking take the whole goddamn thing. Uh, it, it's 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 yeah, it's they impressive they that people still fall for that. No, of course they don't. They mean free speech for yeah. them. <laughs> Exactly. Free speech for me. I'll say that's why um, it's funny. I had a discussion the other day because in Europe, libertarianism is, 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 a, is a kind of a left concept, right? Like it's a very left idea, left concept. Right. Um, we, we don't even really think about right wing libertarianism, you know, but in America, libertarianism is predominantly a right wing thing. Right. And God, yeah. it, it's like, you know, yeah. And to me, like the, the libertarianism, I see that. The, the Americans have it, it's like basically I want to do whatever I want all of the time and I want to be free but also I want to crush anyone that doesn't have the exact ideals as me you know and that's not what libertarian actually is if you look historically it's been completely not that you know what I mean for a very long time so it's very it's very interesting to me how how um how things get skewered, you know what I mean? Like so, socialism as well, yeah. So like in England, you know, like I'm from like a kind of left-leaning working-class background, and I remember my granddad um, talking a while ago, and he's, he was saying about some socialist thing. He said, you know, and I said, oh well, what's your stance? And he's, well, I'm a socialist, of course, but in England, that's not like a big deal, you know what right. I mean? That's not a big, that's not a radical concept. But over in America. Like, Holy shit. Like, even your left wingers. Yeah, well, your left wingers have gone crazy as well because I see them saying I'm socialist and I'm like, like nah, you're, you're a hardcore state-aligned communist. That isn't the same as socialism. No. All the right wingers think to be communist means, uh, sorry, think to be socialist is Stalin. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, there doesn't, it seems to be a very different idea of all these concepts, which I'm learning about, you know? From Americans, uh, I'm I'm sad that you have to learn anything from us. Uh, I think it's um, just generations of, <laughs> of 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 correct programming. I mean, I went to public school. I grew up in a shit town, and like you know, you see that that span. Like they, when they teach you about politics in school, which is weird because like I went to school. I'm I'm almost 32. So when I was going to school, at first we still had to say like the Pledge of Allegiance and shit, and um, which is fucking creepy, but. Uh, you know, we have uh, we learn about politics in, in history class or civics, and it'll have like socialism like right next to fascism. 
Uh, because you know we have the Jesus we fuck. had like fucking however many decades of the Red Scare that's fuck that's still going on. So the second that you have someone like who's not even that far left, like Bernie Sanders, who would probably be maybe center left in in the UK, uh, is is the second coming of fucking Vladimir Lenin to the media. It's like Jesus Christ, we are fucking fucked out here, mate. That was what what really freaked me out actually because I you know I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that oh i'm not like a fuck politicians i won't get behind any politician you know but bernie i looked at him and i was like man that guy's fucking cool like i quite like that and then it was like like it was like seeing right-wing pundits be like he's gonna have us like venezuela within two years yes. i was like well, he's not even saying anything that extreme like you know all oh, free healthcare. like how is i'll tell you what mate as a brit it boggles my mind that that's even <laughs> controversial suggest i love you know my, my sister works for the nhs we love the nhs like especially now with corona man it's just such a beautiful concept and basically you know like everyone here loves it mate like most i would say the vast majority of the uk loves the nhs and we're talking about completely apolitical people often will tell you yeah of course you ain't taking our nhs away so then for like i don't know for it to be a big deal in america is just very I've just never quite got my head around it. Do you know what I mean? I never quite, and because I've never been to America, I think that's the issue. I don't quite, quite get why it's a problem to have a free NHS for people that need it. I just, I just don't get it. <laughs> I, I've lived here for well thirty years since I spent uh, almost two years in Afghanistan, but you know, it's it, I don't understand it either. Like I'm, I'm a veteran, and in the U.S. we get healthcare. Um, like I have yeah, free yeah. healthcare, free prescriptions free everything for the rest of my life until I die. I have free college. Um, you know, I, I have effectively universal basic income. <laughs> and I'm like, this is fucking great. Why doesn't everybody have this? And, you know, uh, so to war, get socialism. Yeah. You, you can only get, uh, you only can get the, like the, the right to like a dignified existence if you nearly die. And if you, if you don't come back, mm. that's all right. That's a sacrifice we're willing to make. It's like, you know, I don't feel like this is a good society that we've created. That is a mad situation, but I'm glad you do get that because the way um, soldiers, returning soldiers are treated in Britain is actually fucking disgusting. Do you know what I mean? There's very little care for them, actually. And, you know, I have uh, one family member of mine, like distant distant family member, um, he fought in Afghanistan and it's just like he came back and I, I know that his brain was fucked. You know what I mean? He was struggling with mental health issues and he, and he just got nothing, man. He got very, very little. You know what I mean? And now he like drives a truck and, you know, whatever. And I, there is something to be said though. I actually, you know, I really appreciate people fighting for their country actually when it's, when there's a reason for it. And there's another weird thing in, in the UK where it's trendy on the left now to hate your country. And I don't hate my country. I love Britain. I love my my country. But to me, my country is not the government. I fucking hate the government <laughs> uh, and I hate the nationalists as well. Right. But my, my, Britain is our people, man. And that don't mean white. That means everyone, man. My community is very mixed. You know what I mean? Like, my family is mixed. We've got different races in my family. Shock horror. And I've never once been like, oh, you know, they're not our, our country. Most people, I think, I hope still, see it as like, you're in our community. You're a part of our country. You know, even people have immigrated. It's like, cool, you come here, you work hard. You want to follow follow our rules. Like, you want to be cool with us. We'll let you do what you want. Now, unfortunately, the, the nationalists have really taken over loving your people they instead of loving the people they love the fucking flag i couldn't give a fuck about the flag do you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. i just want our people to have this freedom and be allowed to do what they want and people should be able to come here any race any color any belief whatever and it should they should be allowed to do that and for me you know britain is definitely not perfect perfect but i do love the of the country i love our communities fucking weirdos we have and the culture and sometimes people are like, oh what you love britain you're fucking nationalist i'm not I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm not a nationalist. I, I am completely, I don't care where the borders are. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a fucking Irish Republican, actually. I want us to get the fuck out and fuck out of Northern Ireland. But what I'm saying is I love my fucking people. I love the the world we've created for ourselves here. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't, I don't I hate all the fucking like House of Lords and all the fucking rich aristocrats and that. But that to, that to me is not Britain. The same way that like, you know, Robert was explaining to me some really cool shit that he used to do as a kid in, in uh, the South in America. And I was like, well, that, that sounds great that sounds like a cool america do you know what i mean but yeah now both this idea of a country has become like um 
I don't know. It's like a red flag. It represents something else now. Now, do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, we have the the nationalists are starting to finally call themselves nationalists in America, which is you know refreshing that they don't have to lie and call themselves something else. But uh, you know, of, of course, of course, I yeah, or three percenters or whatever. You know, I, I, God. you know. Um, of course, I don't hate America. I have to live here. Like, if I hated America, I wouldn't want it to get any better. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's places that I strongly dislike in the world, uh, and, and America isn't one of them. Our, our systems of power and politics and, and military and healthcare and pretty much our, the way of life that we have in 2020, incredibly flawed. God, yes. Uh, but, you know, if I wanted bad things to happen to it, it would be fucking stupid because I live here. My family lives here. Like, I don't want bad things to happen to people. I want us to get better. It's, I mean, of course, like, I, and now, you know, I get deeply suspicious of anybody whenever they have American flags over anything. I'm like, that's a bad sign now. You know, it, it's, it's, it's weird. sad. Yeah, that is pretty sad. But I, I'm with you. You know, I'm the same. Like, I'll, if I see the Union Jack, not so much, you know, like that, that's whatever. But when you see the St. The, the George's, uh, was it St. George? Man, see, this is how British I am. I don't even know. St. George's <laughs> flag. Yeah, the, just the white and the red one. Now, sometimes I see that I'm like, hmm, mm, bit unsure. Is that a fascist kind of guy? And that is completely outrageous because it's just the English flag. But again, it's what it represents to a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? And unfortunately, now I would never call someone out and be like, take that flag down no. but it does it, you're right it makes you go oh shit is that gonna be you know what i mean is that gonna be one of them ones so yeah it's it's unfortunate yeah we have i, I guess our version of that but i don't even want to compare it because that's a flag that still exists is like the confederate flag you know someone flies a confederate oh, yeah. flag i'm like oof yep i'm suspicious of that that's got a history right like <laughs> that's pretty yeah. fucking that, yeah. that flag only exists to control black people. Uh, so it's like, yeah. there's no good way to fly unless it's in a museum. Like, that's it. That's the only way it could exist. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. That's it. It's like, um, but that again, that's, that's another problem now is whereas some people want to go too far and they won't even let something like that be in a museum. And it's like, like there's a big controversy in the UK right now because, you know, this, this dickhead MP had, um, some like dodgy books like the bell curve. And I think he might have had like a, a, a David Duke. Book on no, not David oh, Jesus. Uh, no, it wasn't David Duke. It was another one. Anyway, it was some Holocaust denier. But you know, it was. It's. It's like, well, they're fucked up books. But it's like everyone's going mad. Like, why does he have that on his bookshelf? It's like, well, I got loads of fucked up books, man. Like, it doesn't mean you believe in them. It doesn't mean you like them. You know what I mean? I've got a copy of Siege. I fucking hate those guys, <laughs> but I've got a copy. You know oh, what I mean? It doesn't oh, mean that. And and then it's become, why did he have it on his shelf? Oh, fuck me. Where do you want him to put it? He now is being policed into taking the book off of the shelf and having to put it somewhere dark and whatever. And I fucking hate Michael Gove. Trust me. He is one of the worst, most weaselly politicians we have. But for fuck's sake, pick your battles. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's obviously a guy that's in- interested in all different things. Like, as you would expect, as he's a politician. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Mate, to me, I, don't, I really don't get that. I mean, we've got like massive problems with like, you know, institutionalized racism still, which, you know, you could say, well, that's, that's a, that's a showing of it, but I really don't think that's worth kicking off. I, I really doubt that Michael Gove is a fucking Holocaust denier. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He managed to get this far in his life being found out. I think he probably is just interested in that weird, weird fucking point of view. Like context matters. Like I had to read, I think I read three different fucking books on Holocaust now because I did a whole goddamn episode on it. And uh, you know, if somebody saw my bookshelf, God fucking forbid, in my in my studio, I would be immediately fucking yeeted off the internet because I read some disgusting <laughs> ass shit. And you know, yeah. I fucking have to. I had to. Re- I had to watch like four fucking hours of Prager U videos for an episode. Doesn't mean I enjoy it. Now, like if I'm doing this interview with you and you're like Joe, so how do you feel about David Duke? Oh, he's an all right guy. You know what? Cancel me. I fucking suck. But you know, if I if I had to read something of his for a project and then and that's it that's all it is like <laughs> yeah of course of course and what was what's the next burn books <laughs> some real bad guys that did that <laughs> it's not the way to go i hear it's like really popular in the 30s in berlin uh so like <laughs> yeah that, that's something that's like banned books yeah. always blow my fucking mind and like in america we have like the other th- like you'll never see a book on holocaust and i'll get like drug out and maybe on twitter but like never in real life uh, like we, we have 
you know, however many school districts in America. And every year, like the worst banned books list will come out and like they ban the jungle. So like, like it might teach people. Yeah. Like it might teach people about socialism. Like it sure. Yeah. But also it's like one of the most important literary works in like early American history. (laughs) I think you should, you should be able to read absolutely anything you fucking want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and to a degree where like, I I personally, um, you know, I hope, have been like if if someone is a fascist and they're trying to stop someone's way of life physically then they should physically be stopped you know what i'm saying oh, i yeah. think that's fine yeah that's- but even if a guy is a fascist in his own fucking house and he has no he doesn't want to kill anyone you know then it's like i hate him but but what are you gonna do you can't go in his house and kick his fucking head in and take his books that's up to him <laughs> if he wants to be a dickhead and have a horrible nasty ideology that is up to him when they step over the threshold of wanting to like kill and stuff obviously then the house goes down <laughs> but until yeah. then i really think you have to just let, let and you got to remember as well ideologies change as well a lot you know like i know people have changed their ideologies and blah blah and you know won't talk to that guy no more and this guy's you can talk to him now because he's got whatever and it's the idea of just shutting it down completely just makes you kind of it kind of fulfills what they think the other side is do you know what i mean well yeah we i mean we we actually see a lot of that now with like the uh the lockdown stuff people are like well i'm gonna open my fucking haircut studio and they they're doing it for the attention and the cops are gonna go and they're gonna bust their shit up and arrest them and they're they're gonna get exactly what they want and you know I think you're exactly right when it comes to uh, like politics. If someone has fucking disgusting politics and they're hate, you know, they're hateful, they're anti-Semitic, you know, but they're just like posting online or they have like fucking unironically read Mein Kampf, call them a fucking asshole and move on. But like the second yeah. they start flying a fucking swastika and marching through the street, it might be time to pick up your bricks. But like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There, there is no for me like they, they, you know, when they're when they're trying to do like a public thing and they want to like you know shut down because what they want to do is stop other freedom that's the irony it's like well we're using freedom of speech yeah you're using it but you want to destroy freedom of speech you don't want freedom of speech because you want to stop people being able to say the other shit do you know what i mean and it's like unless you nip that in the bud quick you know we know what happens you end up with fucking hitler (laughs) so (laughs) you know what i mean it's you can't like you say you can't ask them nicely to stop yeah uh, so we're we're over an hour now, so I guess we can wrap this up. Uh, Jake, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. And I mean, we've pretty much spent this entire time uh, talking about Popular Front, but go ahead and uh, plug Popular Front one more time. Uh, yeah, man. Um, if you go to popularfront.co, so that's the website, you'll find everything there. And yeah, we're grassroots conflict journalism, uh, no corporate bullshit, no elitism, no frills. So if you like the sound of that, if you want to, you know talk to weirdos you know as well we're very weird people we're not like uptight or anything like that definitely check out popular from thanks so much for coming on man thanks very much mate it was really fun